because that's what we need in this world today. So uh, I want to thank each and every one of you for being here this morning, and especially if you're a guest with us. We're so happy that you're here. Uh, we just hope that you enjoy today and that you feel welcome, but more importantly, that you just feel the love of God in this place and that you walk out uh, impacted and different than when you came in. And we pray for every person that comes to this church every week, but especially we pray for the guests and the people that we have yet to reach and yet to see. So thank you for taking time out of your week to be with us this morning. And uh, we are in our third week of our series entitled Grow. And we've been talking about this idea or the fact that God wants us to all grow. It's his desire for us that we grow, especially in the area of our relationship with him. And, you know, we have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe, and he wants us to grow in that. So for the past couple weeks and even into next week, uh, we're talking about things that we can do on an individual basis to help us grow in that area. Week one, we talked about uh, reading our Bible and praying. And that there's nothing more important or powerful that we could ever do than to read God's word and to spend time with him in prayer. Especially when we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do. Reading his word will fuel our prayer life. If you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do, uh, it's better not to say anything or to say what God says about a particular situation in your life. And that spending time with him, it's more about quality than it is quantity. It's not about a certain time limit. It's about the quality of time spent with him and realizing that he wants to spend time with you. And then last week, we talked about relationships in the area of being in a small group and that we are relational beings because we're created in the image of God, who is a relational being. And we all need relationships. We need people. We need to do life together with people. And uh, I encouraged you uh, to do something that I'm doing, and that's get involved in a small group. Our small groups start in the next couple weeks. We had a rally last week, and if you weren't here or you had to go, I encourage you to get a small group card right out there at the info desk. Check out what's going on and get involved and realize that you weren't meant to do it alone, and we need each other. So we continue this week, and uh, this week we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and living a Spirit-led life and how as we do that on an, indivi- uh, on, as, on an individual basis and a daily basis, it'll help us grow closer to God. So what I want to do is uh, I want to go to John chapter 16 this morning, and uh, we're going to read from verses 5 through 7. So if you brought your Bible, you can flip. If you've got your device, you can, uh, you can click there, or it's going to be on the screens here. And while you're getting there, just wanted to give you a little bit of uh, background and, and context of what's going on. So this is the book of John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. It's the last gospel. There are four gospels. And what we have is we have Jesus who has spent three and a half years with his disciples. And he's getting ready to go back into heaven. He's almost completed what he came on earth to do. And he's telling his disciples, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going away. And he says this phrase. He says, it's better for you that I go. And you have to realize that these guys, these 12 guys that Jesus had spent three and a half years with almost on a daily basis, traveling, eating, sleeping, drinking with these guys, doing life, uh, they've grown to uh, love him. And they share a deep affection for him. And he's telling them that he's going to leave. And uh, this is what he says. He says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away Because if I don't, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning and to celebrate you and celebrate your son Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you this morning to open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to receive from you that we can hear something we've never heard, seen something we've never seen, but most importantly, show us Jesus. For when we see him, 
will never be the same. Help me to speak this message boldly, clearly, and most importantly, short. And everybody said, amen. I want you to uh, turn to your neighbor and say, use your inside voice. Use your inside voice. How many of you have, uh, have, have said that phrase or have had that phrase said to you in your lifetime? Use your inside voice. And most of the time you don't hear somebody say it like, use your inside voice. It's accompanied with a finger over the mouth and it's very quiet and it's, use your inside voice. Uh, Lauren and I have a three-year-old and uh, his name is Carson. And we find ourselves using that phrase quite often. Um, I don't know about you, but if you have children or grandchildren, maybe you yourself have become an expert at using that phrase because kids, they just don't really understand the social boundaries of things, especially of when to be loud and when to be quiet and when the appropriate times are to do so. Carson, the other day we were at a friend's house and we were there kind of late and they have two kids and they have a a small baby um, and they put the baby to bed and Carson was playing in the other room and he was being loud and he wasn't really being mean he was just excited and he was loud and and i went in there and i said very quietly carson use your inside voice and he looked up at me and he said okay <laughs> and now we, we've never had a conversation as to what his inside voice is but he figured it out pretty quick and i've been thinking about that whole concept of use your inside voice because my wife still tells me that today because i tend to be loud and and not always uh, pay attention to what's going on around me but I begin to think about it in relationship to, uh, to God and the Holy Spirit and this whole concept that, you know, God wants us to use our inside voice. We all have an inside voice. Whether you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God and you made that decision or you're here and you do, there's something on the inside of us that is leading us and guiding us and speaking to us. And there was a man in the Bible, his name was Elijah. He was a prophet. He did some really amazing things for God, but he found himself in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, on the run, kind of feeling sorry for himself, not knowing what to do, and he gets up on this mountain, and uh, God says, Elijah, what are you doing? Why are you here? And he begins to tell him this whole story, and then God takes him out on this mountain, and there's this big, huge windstorm that comes by. It's so powerful that, that some of the, wind, the rocks break off the mountain, but the Bible says that God wasn't in the windstorm, and then an earthquake comes along, and the Bible says that God wasn't in the earthquake, and then a fire passes by Elijah. And the Bible says that God wasn't in the fire. But then it says this, and maybe most of you or some of you have heard this, but a still small voice, or it says that Elijah heard the sound of a still small voice. And when he heard that, he put his cloak over his face and he walked out and God began to speak to him. I think in life, a lot of us, we look for some external thing to lead us and guide us and tell us where to go next. We're, we're looking for a huge sign that we can see with our physical eyes or experience or touch. But most of the time, I think God just says, use your inside voice. He's that still small voice on the inside of us that leads us. Ever since Jesus came to this earth and he did what he came to do, providing redemption for all of us, restoring the relationship between humanity and God, and God sent the person of his Holy Spirit He's been leading us and dealing with us on the inside out, not the outside in. And so this morning, that's what we're going to talk about, the Holy Spirit. And I know that when the words the Holy Spirit come out of a a pastor's mouth in the context of a church, there are a lot of different uh, ideas and pictures and thoughts and memories that pop up in our head of what that looks like and what that means. But this morning, I just want to ask you if you can set those things aside for just the next few minutes 
And I want to go through three questions. This is not going to be an exhaustive study of the Holy Spirit um, because that would take us a long time to do. So I just kind of want to hit a few high points. And the three questions are this. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And how do we partner with the Holy Spirit in our lives? So let's go to the first question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Very simply put, the Holy Spirit is a person. And I want to read this to you. John chapter 14, verse 26. It says, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you everything I have told you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. The conversation that he has with them about him leaving goes for um, three or four chapters as he's explaining his exit and God sending the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a person, and that is very, very important for us to realize and understand in our lives that it's not an it. He is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a concept. Some of us think of the Holy Spirit in terms of ghost because the King James Version says the Holy Ghost, and it's more properly translated as the Holy Spirit. He's not a ghost. He's not some weird figure. It's not like he's Casper the ghost, the way that that society has portrayed ghosts. We have an interesting uh, connotation in our mind of that word, but he's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God is in heaven. He's the creator of all things. He's supreme over all things. He is self-sufficient. And then we have Jesus, who is the Word of God, who came to earth to restore relationship between God and humanity to make the payment for sin. And then we have the Holy Spirit, who came after Jesus went back into heaven. So He is a person. And if you have a relationship with God here this morning, then the Holy Spirit... He is the one that is living on the inside of you. The Bible said the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the spirit that lives on the inside of us. A thing doesn't live. A concept isn't alive, but a person is alive. And if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I've, I would say that I don't have a relationship with God. I've never made the decision to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and my Savior. There is still the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that is drawing you to Jesus, that is revealing to you who He is and that He's real and that He's true because the Holy Spirit is a person. And that leads us to this. What does He do? What does He do? As we talk about what He does, we're going to learn more about who He is. I think the best way to learn about who a person is is to see what they do and to see how they think. And so the first one is, what does the Holy Spirit do? First one is, He comforts. He comforts. John fourteen sixteen says this. It says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Some translations say comforter, who will never leave you. The word advocate is a really interesting word. And as in my study this week, as I was just looking up this, and what does the word advocate mean? Well, the word is used in, in this passage in the New Testament in a legal sense. That the Holy Spirit in our lives is a legal advocate, a representative, a spokesperson on someone else's behalf. So the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us, leading us, he's comforting us, and what he speaks to us is not on his own accord, but the Bible tells us that everything the Holy Spirit speaks, he hears from the Father, and he only speaks what he hears from the Father. If you would have a legal advocate when you went to a court of law, let's call him a lawyer, and you have never been to a court of law, but you, you've been summoned there for some reason, or you got a traffic ticket, if you've ever been there, which I have been, 
because of a traffic thing, there is someone there that speaks for you. And it's very comforting to have someone to speak for you because they know the language. They know what's going on. They represent you to the court. See, but the Holy Spirit doesn't only represent you to God. He represents God to you on the inside. And he's speaking to you everything that God wants to say to you and what God believes about you and what is true and what is not true. And the Bible says that not only is he an advocate, but the synonyms of that is that the Holy Spirit is a helper, that he's an encourager, a counselor, an intercessor, a mediator. And if you would read different translations, you would find those words interspersed throughout different translations as they try to put their finger on what actually does the Holy Spirit do and who is he. But rather than picking one, I believe he's a composite whole. He's a comforter, a counselor, an intercessor, an encourager, a helper, and a mediator, and he's alive. A thing can't do that. A concept can't do that. But a person can. And that leads us to the next one, which is that he convicts. Now, the moment that we hear the word conviction, for a lot of us, we have, a, we have some negative emotions that arise up in us, some negative feelings and maybe thoughts, and the word conviction kind of turns us off. But I just want you to go with me for a second. And I can speak to this on a very personal level. I grew up not here, but it's somewhere else. And it was a, a legalistic uh, place where um, God was kind of used as someone that you needed to be scared of. And we were really taught about what we shouldn't do. Uh, there was less of a focus on who we are and what we should do rather than it was all about what we shouldn't do. And so my concept of conviction was skewed and was wrong. And so I just want you to ask you to go with me for a second, and let's read this in John 16, 8. And this talks about the Holy Spirit. It says, When he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. That doesn't sound a whole lot, like a whole lot of fun. That's not a verse that we read and just get super excited about. But what I want to tell you is the word convict, it does mean to, to rebuke, to reprove, and to correct. How many of you in here would say, be honest and say, you know what, I need some correcting in my life at different stages. I need some reproving. And you know what, to be rebuked isn't necessarily a negative thing at all times. I've been rebuked in very positive ways, in very loving ways by people that have uh, been mentors in my life, by teachers, by coaches. And it was always with my best intention in mind. And here's the thing, I, as I was preparing for this, and I have my own struggles with the word conviction, is that I felt like, God just kind of gave me this reminder. The one who convicts is still the mediator, the counselor, the encourager, the intercessor, the advocate, and the helper. The Holy Spirit is never here to convict you of, of everything that you do wrong simply to air your dirty laundry in front of your face. He's not here just to make you feel bad and feel guilty for everything that you do just to do that. I think some of us are afraid of being corrected um, or reproved or rebuked because we've had people in our lives do that to us, and it wasn't because they cared about us. It was just to prove a point that we have something wrong. How many of you are fully aware of wrong stuff in your life? Right? Yeah, I am. I can give you a list. I'm really good. I'm comprehensive. Uh, I'm holistic about the stuff that I don't do right. I need help. Not just seeing what I do wrong. I need help seeing what I do right. I need help being moved in the direction of doing right. I need to be encouraged to do right. I need an advocate on my side who, when I do wrong, not only says, hey, that's not right, but then is there to represent what God says about me when I fail. 
Most of us don't have an issue with the fact that we fail. Our issue comes when we fail and then we have to go to God. We don't, we don't get that part. We feel like, well, God's just angry at me because I failed. The Holy Spirit revealed something in my life that isn't right, and now I feel so guilty and I can't do anything. But the Holy Spirit has the freedom to reveal issues in our life because it's always for our benefit, always, always for our benefit. Anything that you're doing that's not right and the Holy Spirit brings it to the surface, it's to help you be successful. It's to help you um, enjoy life and to be good at what you're doing at and enjoy the relationships that you have. So we recognize that, hey, you're not here to tear me down. You're here to build me up. And the only way to move forward is you don't go around issues. You don't go over them. You don't go uh, underneath them. You go through them. And when there's this freedom on the inside of you to say, you know what? Hey, I messed up. I didn't do right. But that's okay because, Jesus, you forgave me of everything. God, you saw what you were getting before I ever was here. You knew my life. You knew everything that I would do wrong and everything that I would do right. And you chose to love me with the full knowledge of everything that I would do. So, and then you sent Jesus, who paid for all of that, and you look at me, not out of anger, not out of frustration, but out of a desire to help. If you have a child in here or a grandchild, I do. He's, Carson's three. I've already said that this morning. When I correct Carson, sometimes I'm angry. And I'm learning not to correct him in my anger. But I'm correcting him not because I'm angry, but because I want him to be successful in life. I'm correcting him from the heart of a father, not the heart of someone who is just out to get somebody. So here this morning, settle this in yourself by the Holy Spirit. God is not out to get you. The Holy Spirit is not out to air your dirty laundry and make you feel horrible. That conviction is a positive thing. It's a good thing because it helps you. And remember this, I've already said it, but the one who convicts is still the comforter, is still the encourager still the intercessor, still the mediator, still the advocate, and still the helper. Number three, what does the Holy Spirit do? He guides. He guides. The Bible says in John chapter 16, verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. How many of you in here would say, I need some guidance. I need some help. I'm facing some situations I just quite, I don't quite know what to do. I don't know if I should go left or if I should go right. I don't know if I should sit or stand or walk or run. I have opportunities presented to me, and I just don't know what to do. How many of you have ever prayed for something, and there was nothing? Like you're praying because you want something to change, and nothing is changing, and then all of a sudden you get multiple opportunities at one time. You went from nothing to like four or five. It was easier when there was nothing. And it would be really easy if God would just give you one. But now you have to make a decision. If it's one thing, that's a pretty easy decision. I don't like where I'm at. I like this. Okay. But when it's, I don't like where I'm at, but now I have one, two, three, four, five, what do I do? Then the fear of being wrong creeps in, right? Then the fear of, well, what if I screw it up? Or what if I take it and it fails? Can I go back to where I was? We need help. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And he leads us into all truth. What is all truth? Ultimately, it is God and Jesus. But I believe that it's part of our daily lives as well. God has a plan, and God has a purpose for our lives, and the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us, and He wants to guide us. 
into all truth. That when you don't know what to do, you can ask, Holy Spirit, help me. I need, I need some wisdom here. I just don't know what to do. Or if maybe it's not a decision about your family or your job, maybe it's, it's uh, dealing with a person at work or dealing with your children and you don't know what to do, you can ask the Holy Spirit, guide me in this, help me in this. You can use your inside voice. Sometimes we just need to tell ourselves, hey, Josh, use your inside voice. Because we look to so many things out there. Well, I'll take that job if this, this, and this happens. Or, you know, if, if, if so-and-so comes up and uses this word that I've been asking God for in prayer, and they say the word, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord in the conversation, then I will do that. Now, you know, in the Bible, there is such thing as a fleece, but I'm just saying to you, I'd rather depend on the one who's on the inside of me than creating a phrase or creating something and almost holding God's, you know, nose to the grindstone and saying, I'll do this if and only if you do this. That's not faith. You know what I mean? That's like a bartering system. God leads us from the inside out. Now, hey, I've done those things before. And if this happens, then I'll do this. And you know what? I've done those things, and God's, God's, God's blessed me because he's faithful and he's good, and wherever I go, he goes. But he's always working us back to where he wants us to be. I just want to challenge you this morning to use the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He wants to guide you in the big things and the small things. And if you can't uh, appeal to the Holy Spirit and believe him for the small things, it's going to be harder to do it for the big things. We're a culture of big stuff. We like it now, we like it big, and we like it fast. Right? And I'm just going to pray for the big stuff. But we don't realize that the big stuff is really just a culmination of all the little things. You ever seen a mosaic? A mosaic is all these little different uh, pieces, uh, maybe photos or just different pieces of things that by themselves represent nothing. But when you look at it as a composite whole, it's a picture. And you have to step back from it so you can see it in all of its, all of its fullness. I think that's kind of like our lives. Our lives are like a mosaic compiled of all these little bitty small steps and things that we do that look, looked at separately don't make a lot of sense, but put together, there's a complete picture. And the only one that can see the complete picture for your life at this stage in the game is God. You can't. You're the one, you're the artist, or, you know, the helper. You're putting it one piece at a time, one piece at a time, just hoping, right, that it's going to make a picture. That's our life. It's a series of steps, and we trust God, and we have faith. That leads us to the next one. Um, is that the Holy Spirit gives us power, or He empowers us. The Bible says in Acts 1 it says, But when you receive, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This word power in the Greek is the word uh, dunamis. And the only reason I say that is because we, where we get our English word, dynamite. We all know that dynamite has power. And so this is a a power that we get from the Holy Spirit. And yes, it does mean a supernatural power, a miraculous power, and sometimes we are in need of miraculous, supernatural things in our lives, maybe a physical healing, maybe some provision that we need to come because we just don't have it, uh, maybe uh, God to open a, a door supernaturally so that we can get a job or, or get something. And, and those things are great, and we need those, but we also need power in our everyday lives to live every day because we all have some struggle that we're facing, right? 
there is something that we need God's supernatural power in our lives to overcome. For me, for years, it was pornography. I could not stop looking at pornography on my own. I tried, and I failed. The only thing I accomplished doing it on my own was failure, guilt, and condemnation, and looking at more pornography. I did not have the willpower to do it. And you know what? The only person that was surprised about that was me. God was not surprised. Because if I could overcome the things that I struggle with on my own, I would have no need for him. We all have something in our lives that requires supernatural power to set us free so that we can walk away from it and not go back to it consistently over and over again. But I think some of us just believe that the only way God's going to help us is if we help ourselves, right? Because God helps those who, helps them, who help themselves. You know what? That's not in the Bible. That's not Scripture. That's just something we made up. God helps us so that we can help ourselves. God gives us everything that we need to be able to do what He's called us to do. He put inside of me when I was a young boy, five years old, when I accepted Jesus, the power to be set free from pornography. And it was his power, not my own. The word power, it, just, it also means strength, might, authority. He put in me the authority over those things. He put in you the strength, the might, the power, and the authority that you need to confront the stuff in your life that you're going through. How many of you would say, I need freedom in some area of my life? And it doesn't have to be sex, drugs, uh, or alcohol. Those are the big three, right? We need, we need freedom from our attitude. We need freedom from uh, anger. We need freedom from bitterness. We need freedom from talking bad about people. We need freedom just from thinking bad thoughts about people. There, there are so many things that we deal with on a daily basis that we need help and freedom from. But we're so focused on the big stuff. The earthquake, the fire, and the windstorm. And if it's not one of those, it must not be that important. But it's the small things that we, that we call small that really I think are the big things. I think, you know, having a bad attitude and being critical and struggling with bitterness and anger are bigger at times than sex, drugs, and alcohol because they destroy us internally. They're not always out there for everyone to see, but they're wreaking havoc on the inside of us. And we need freedom from that. And the Holy Spirit, as much as he delivers people from, from addictions, he is in the business of delivering us from those things on a daily basis. So he gives us power. And part of that is, leads us to our next one, is that the Holy Spirit builds character. We all need character, right? There are spiritual gifts. We're not going to get into that this morning because that's a separate sermon in and of itself. But Jesus did say, you will know them by their fruit not by their gifts. You'll know them by their fruit. Galatians 5, chapter tw verse 22 and 23 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's nine. And you notice that it's not fruits. It's fruit, singular. The fruit of the Spirit is. And I love what this translation says. This is the New Living Translation. It says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is character. Fruit is cultivated. Gifts are given, but fruit is cultivated. I can give you a gift, and you can receive it, and you got it, right? You didn't really have to cultivate that gift. But fruit, 
Anything you plant in the ground has to be cultivated, and there's work and time it takes place. And a lot of the work and time you don't get to see a result on for a while because it's all happening beneath the soil. You know, in our lives, the Holy Spirit, I I believe the majority of the work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives or that God does through the Holy Spirit is stuff that we can't see and stuff that other people can't see. We can sense it. And, And we think because we can't see it that it's not happening, but the Holy Spirit is cultivating character on the inside of us. How many of you in here this morning can say, you know what, I could stand, or let's say this, you know somebody. You know somebody that could stand a little more love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think we all could, right? We all could use that. And here's the thing that I love about God. God isn't saying, be this, be love, be joyful, be faithful, be gentle. He's saying, I want you to be that, but I'm giving you what you need. The Holy Spirit's going to produce that in you. We are not fruit producers. We are fruit bearers. If you take a branch off of a fruit tree and you put it into the ground, guess what is going to happen? Nothing. Why? Because that branch doesn't produce life. It allows life to flow through it. That branch is not a fruit producer. It's a fruit bearer. We don't produce the life. We bear the life of God on the inside of us through the Holy Spirit. That's a comforting feeling to know that you don't have to go home and produce the things that God is asking you to do. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to do it in you. A lot of people in their lives, they have gifts and talents. And we see this every day. We see people that are gifted and talented arrive to a platform where they don't have the character or integrity to keep them. And what happens? They fail. I think that's why Jesus said, well, no, let me know by their fruit. In my opinion, I think, the, I think giftings and, and, and talents are, are really important, really very important. But those without character and without integrity never achieve their fullest potential. I have the gift to do whatever when I'm born. But it's a process of character building throughout the rest of my life. I believe that character building through the Holy Spirit is really a part of sanctification. Well, what's that? It's a big fancy word, just meaning that as, as we go throughout our relationship with God, he changes us day by day, little by little. Salvation, boom, I'm saved in an instant. Sanctification is just a process of God drawing out of me what he put in me through Jesus Christ. And part of that is character. So that leads us to the last part of within how do we, how do we partner with the Holy Spirit in these things? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, to convict us, to guide us in our lives, to empower us, and to build character? What do we do? And as as the band returns, and you're like, all right. (laughs) Number one is we ask. We just ask the Holy Spirit. You know, the thing about God is, is that he never forces anything on us. He never forces you to do anything. He doesn't make you do it. If he wanted to force uh, himself upon us, then every single person would robotically just respond to Jesus and follow him and do everything right. But it's a decision. God presents the opportunity. God has made available to us the gift, salvation of the Holy Spirit. We just need to ask. Well, what does asking mean? just means that when you encounter a situation in your life, 
when you're going through hard stuff, when you don't know to go left or right or sit or stand or run or walk, you can ask, Holy Spirit, help me. I don't know what to do. You know, you weren't meant to be a lone ranger. We talked about that last week. But you also weren't meant to know everything. I don't know about you, but I feel a lot of pressure sometimes to know everything. I feel like I've got to have the right answer at the right time. And especially if somebody comes to you and asks you for advice and you don't know. <laughs> at about 30 seconds into their question, you're like, oh man, I don't know. It's okay to not know. I think it's a, just a big part of life. And it's in those moments when we don't know that we can just ask the Holy Spirit, hey, I need you. I need you, I need you at this moment to be my comforter. I need you to be my guide. I need, you, I need some power. I need you to help me with my character. I just, I need to help to know if what I'm doing is wrong. This is good or bad, because I just don't know. And then after, after you ask, you need to receive. And receiving is just really welcoming it. Welcoming the Holy Spirit in your life to do the work that he wants to do. You know, if I went to the store and I was really thirsty and I was dying of thirst and I bought a bottle of water and I went to my car and I set it in my cup holder and I never opened it, and never took a drink. I asked for it, and I got it, but I never welcomed it or received it into my body. And if I don't welcome or receive this water into my body, I will not reap the benefits of what water produces in my body. Not because the water isn't willing, not because the water's angry, just because I didn't take the opportunity to take the cap off, and I'm just really thirsty right now, and drink it, and be refreshed. I think sometimes we just, we tend to treat the Holy Spirit, um, you know, we know he's there, but we don't know what to do with it, maybe because of past experiences, maybe because we don't have a good understanding, maybe because we're afraid. We ask, but then we don't receive it, because we're like, oh man, what's going to happen? Am I going to go crazy? Am I going to run around the church? Uh, am I going to fall over? Am I going to say, say weird things? And, and I'm not making fun of the Holy Spirit. I just think for some of us, that's very real. It's very real for me. Holy Spirit is far more than a manifestation of something that we've seen. He's a person. He's real. And He wants to help you. And He's not going to scare you. He's not going to freak you out. He's not going to take control of your body and sling you from one side of the church to the other. That's not what He's about. He's going to help you right where you need Him to help you. You know, Moses says about God in the Old Testament, he says, that, God, you are what I need you to be when I need you to be it. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. So after you've asked and you've welcomed that into your life, then you just appeal to it. What do you mean appeal? It means that you go back and you appeal to the work of the Holy Spirit. You make a constant appeal saying, hey, you know, a few weeks ago when I, when I had to make this decision and I needed some help, you helped me. And I'm, I'm going to appeal to you again. Because you're just, you're there for me. You appeal. And once you appeal, and this is kind of like receive, you, you just allow. You give free reign to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to, to move through you, to lead you in every decision. Not just the big, but also the small. You say, Holy Spirit, I allow you to do what you want to do because you have my best interest at hand. I think for a lot of us, it's a trust issue a trust. Do I really trust that God has my best intention at hand? Do I really trust that what he's saying to me 
is true? Can I, can, I, can I stake my life on it? Because I'm really afraid to fail. And I just have trust issues because other people in my life who, who told me they had my back, who were supposed to be there for me, uh, they, they let me down. They abused me. They took advantage of me. And I don't know if I want any part of that. I understand that. Not so much out of experience, but I understand your position and I'm empathetic with that. And I just want to make a statement, and this is a decision that, that each and every one of you have to make. God will never take advantage of you. He will never abuse you. He will never lead you down a path that will destroy you. He will never ask of you something that he has not first given you. God will never ask you to do what he asked his son Jesus to do. He won't. Jesus paid the ultimate price. Therefore, God is free to do in your life everything that he wants to because his best intention is for you. And you can allow that. You know, a few years ago, uh, Lauren and I were praying for um, something new, something different in our life to happen. We were kind of frustrated where we were at, and so we just just started praying, and, and, you know, I was looking for all these signs all over the place. God, if you do this, and if you do that, and if this would happen, if that would happen. And it was through that time that I really did just feel like God say, use your inside voice. Just be led from the inside. And so for us, a series of decisions started. We were presented not with just one opportunity, but with multiple opportunities, and we walked the opportunities out until a door closed or until we felt like we had an answer. And each time that we made a decision, I can't tell you I was 100% sure, but I was pretty good, pretty much sure. And that process of praying and, and, and following our inside voice led us to where we are here today, you know, as the, as the lead pastors of this church. And even that was a scary thing, to come on staff and leave, and I've shared this a little bit, but just to leave the position that we were in and uh, really it was a career path and come here and nothing being guaranteed and there being a vote and you know all this potentially could have ended on that vote day and we would have to go to a new direction but that was okay but because it was being led by this inside voice the one who comforts was leading and guiding and empowering and building character all the way through and and part of the way through the whole thing the whole journey for us i remember when i talked and i said you know what if this isn't uh, what God has for us. If, if this vote doesn't go through and, and we don't become the pastor of this church, I don't think we've lost a thing. I think we've gained a ton. And God has something else. Because the Holy Spirit just did so much work in us through the whole process. And I'm, we just feel really blessed to, to be where we're at. This is like the icing on top of the cake. Because it's never about the destination, it's always about the journey. It's always about the journey. And uh, if I could have you guys just bow your head this morning if you're here this morning and and you say you know what josh I, I i believe in jesus i listen to the holy spirit and my relationship with him is super extra mega good i just want to ask you to help me pray right now i want to ask all of you guys in here two questions first question is this is if you know what you say josh i do believe i've been struggling a little bit in my relationship with god and i've really been struggling with the concept and idea of the holy spirit and i just want to partner with him i want him to help me I want him to comfort me. I, I need that. If that's you in this, here this morning, no one's going to look around. I just want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. In the end, if you just slip up your hand and say, you know what? I need, I just need some help. I need some prayer in that area. Thank you. Second question is if you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I've never made a decision for Jesus. I've never 
actually said, you know what, I want to give my life to God. I want to believe that he is who he says he is, that he is the savior of the world, that he'll forgive me of everything that I've ever done and set me on a new path. If that's you here this morning, I was going to pray for you. I just want to ask you to raise your hand. No one's looking around. Just shoot up your hand. Thank you. I'm just going to pray for all of us in here this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you're a good God, that you're a faithful God, and you are leading us on this journey of our relationship with you. And for those individuals that raised their hand this morning that said, you know what, I need help with that. I need help appealing to the Holy Spirit. I need help allowing him to work in my life. God, I just ask you right now, whatever it is that they need, that you would do that for them. Just as Moses said, you are what I need you to be, but I need you to be it. I thank you that right now for those individuals who slipped up their hand, that you are what they need you to be, when they need you to be it. And we just thank you, God, for every person here that didn't raise their hand for anything. You know their needs. You know what's going on. And I ask you to meet them right where they're at and just continue to let them know how much you love them, how much you care for them, and that you have their best at hand. So we give you thanks and we give you praise. And everybody said...